0: Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is air prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church, or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. We're going to continue our, uh, right now we're in the book of Daniel, going through the Bible together, and we're going to continue in the book of Daniel this morning. Last week we looked at Daniel chapter 1 for Father's Day and talked about the importance of godly people, godly men and women raising up godly children and the impact that those children can have on the world around them and really just how they are such lights In what can be very dark places and dark times. So, Daniel, when he was captured by the Babylonians and taken into exile along with the other uh, godly Hebrew young men, he was about 15 years old, best we can figure out. Just a very young man. Um, but time goes on in Daniel's life and in every situation that he's put in, if you've done your reading this week, you'll realize he excels no matter where the Babylonians put him. He just rises to the top, a brilliant man, a good, godly man, and he's recognized time and time again for his excellence in whatever task he's given. And he goes on to uh, be influential over the course of several different kings and, rulers. and in Daniel chapter 6, which is where we'll be this morning, a man by the name of King Darius is, is starting to shape his administration, kind of put all the pieces together uh, for his, his kingdom. And he appoints 120 officials that he's going to send out, kind of like representatives that's going to rule over the different parts of his kingdom and his dominion. And over those 120 officials, he puts three men. And guess who one of those three men are? Daniel. And so Daniel is right below the most powerful man in the land. And Daniel does so good at that job, King Darius wants to make him basically what we would think of as a prime minister. He wants to put uh, Daniel over everybody. Now the other three and the other 120, guess what? They didn't like that. There's this very dangerous thing that we have in our lives called jealousy. Jealousy is so dangerous that it will destroy relationships. It will destroy friendships. It will destroy marriages. Jealousy will ruin churches if we let it. Jealousy is so dangerous. And all these officials try their best to come up with some charge, some whatever they can do to, to make Daniel look bad and, and get him in trouble, get him thrown out, and, and they can't find anything. The Bible actually says that uh, he was trustworthy and no negligence or corruption could be found in him there was one thing they knew that they could get Daniel at. Maybe. And that was how he dealt with his God. They knew that if they were going to get Daniel, it was going to involve the most important piece of his life. And that was his relationship with God. And so they set this thing, this scheme in motion. And they all go before King Darius. And they say, Darius... Your Majesty, we all agree, all of us officials. That was a lie because Daniel was not included in this conversation. But they said, we all agree that you should make it a law that for the next 30 days, nobody in your kingdom can pray to any man or any God other than the king himself. And so he's quite flattered. And he's like, if you all think that's a good idea, let's do it. 30 days, he signs the decree. Well, guess what happens? The decree goes forth, Daniel hears about it, and let's look at, starting at verse 10. Verse 10 says, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went and he hid in fear and worshiped God in his basement where no one could see him. No, he went into his house the windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, As a law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, And the edict you sign, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went together to the king and said to him, You know, your majesty, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. Daniel's in trouble, isn't he? The first thing I want us to understand about Daniel's life at this time, which we typically see pictures of Daniel as still a young man, but Daniel's probably about 82 years old at this point in his life. Getting ready to go to the lines then. But the first thing I want you to understand is that Daniel, not Daniel, is that God's ways are much higher than any other way. God's law, God's commands, God's word, is higher than any law of the land. Daniel was probably the smartest man in this entire empire. He was not a fool. He knew the repercussions that his actions could probably bring to his life. But what did he do? He knew that his God was still greater than the king. Uh, Greater than any decree, greater than any law that the king or whatever government might sign into, into effect. And he likely understood that obedience to God... And honoring his God and praying to his God in this case would not only cost him his his position in this kingdom and his livelihood, it would probably cost him his life. And Daniel (laughs) apparently didn't care. So what did he do? I I love how the Bible just puts it out there so plainly. Not only did he keep praying, but old Daniel prayed every morning, noon and night. Don't you love that? Three times a day. And he didn't pray in, in secret. He, he had the windows open and he faced the city of God on his knees and talked out loud to God just like he was there with him. Of course, he was caught. His enemies came and called him, took the matter before the king. And, and it doesn't seem like the king was too pleased, but the law couldn't be reversed. And so Daniel was going to have to Face the consequences of being obedient to God. Reminded me of a story about a man that maybe you've heard of by the name of William Tyndale. If you've heard of Tyndale Publishers, you've probably at least heard this name. But William Tyndale was born... All the way back in 1494, a long, long time ago. He was brilliant. He was fluent in seven different languages, and he, including the old Greek and Hebrew. And he made it his life's goal to translate God's Word from the original Greek and Hebrew into English. So that the average ordinary man and woman could take God's Word and read it and understand it for themselves. And they didn't have to have a priest read the Latin and tell them what the Bible said. You can kind of see the problems there, right? And so Tyndale goes about translating God's Word, and of course the king and all the officials were against this because the Catholic Church was against this. And so they condemned William Tyndale, and he spent years evading the authorities while he worked on translating the New Testament in, from Greek into English. And eventually, in 1525, he had completely translated the old Greek manuscripts into the english language and he he struggled he worked so hard to get the english bible into the hands of the people so they could see what god's word really has to say but then eventually he was betrayed he was captured and they took william tyndale out and they tied him to a post like a cross and they built a fire underneath him and they burned him alive and they gave him the opportunity to recant And you know what he did he did like jesus And he prayed for those people around him. And his last words was, God, open the king of England's eyes. He was condemned for translating God's word into basically what we have today. When the apostles were told, they were ordered in the book of Acts not to preach or teach in that name, in the name of Jesus. What did they do? They marched up to the temple and they began to teach and preach Jesus. (laughs) And Peter in Acts chapter 5 verse 29, Peter and the apostles replied when they were told not to do it and why they were doing it anyway, they said, we must obey God rather than people. I've had the question come up a lot and people struggle right now with this question. How much do we pledge our allegiance to the officials, to the government, to uh, the law of the land. How, how how obedient do we have to be? And really, it boils down to we are obedient until they're not obedient to what God's word is, and to what God's way is. And you look at the life of Daniel. Daniel didn't pray out of rebellion to King Darius. He prayed out of obedience to God. And there's a little bit of a difference. And I think that's the model that we have to have for us. It's not that we want to be a bunch of rebels, but we want to be obedient to God no matter what. And no matter what the cost. And there is a cost. Obedience can be cost. Look down at verse 16. It says, So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and they threw him in the lion's den. And then the king said to Daniel, May your God, Notice he said still, Your God, Whom you continually serve, Rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. And then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. Dens aren't very fun places. The word used here could also be translated pit. And the Persians used these pits or these dens that we, tip, we call it as torture chambers for their, their enemies and their prisoners. They would throw them in there and they'd allow the, the lions to just, just, just eat them. I mean, can you think of a much worse way to die than being just torn apart and eaten alive? It's awful. But they were brutal people. And, and we talked about the importance of the pit. If you remember back in the book of Genesis when we were looking at the life of Joseph and when Joseph got thrown into this pit... And now we see Daniel thrown into this pit or this den. And we talked about how the pit can represent so many different things in our lives. In this case, it could represent persecution from those around us. It can also just reflect the, the difficulties and the hardships that life brings sometimes. It could also be the providence of God. It could be part of God's plan to put us in the pit for a while. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But like in the life of Joseph, Joseph had to go down into the pit in order to make it to the palace, right? Here, Daniel had to go into this pit, into this lion's den, for God to demonstrate a miracle. Something so incredible. But now, realizing that doesn't always make the den or the pit feel much better. Persecution. Life. Sometimes even certain parts of God's plan for our lives can be tough. Sometimes it's scary. But like Daniel, it's even in those moments that's when we have to trust God the most. Even when He takes us down in the pit. And we ask why. Well, it's because God has a plan that's so much greater than anything you could ever imagine. I think God's providence is greater than any pit we'll ever find ourselves. I think that God's provision is greater than any pit we'll find ourselves in. Now look at His Word, and I think God's promises are greater than any pit that we'll find ourselves in. Psalms chapter forty tells us, reminds us, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock. And establish my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. And here's the promise. Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord. There's people watching you. There's people that are looking how you respond when you find yourself down in the pit, down in the lion's den. And when they see God do a miracle through you in the middle of that mess, oh my gosh. They're going to see what the Lord can do. They're going to fear God and trust Him. It's what the Bible says. Notice how God uses this bit in Daniel's life to fulfill this promise. Verse 18 says, Now the king went to his palace. He spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came to the den. He cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, (laughs) he's changed his tune just a little Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. How many people knows that God tends to show up at just the right time? (laughs) Have you ever noticed that we think, where you at God, you running late again? And God shows up at just the right moment in our life. Daniel was an incredible asset to King Darius. I think Darius valued Daniel. He was trustworthy, he was productive, and the king fasted and prayed all night for Daniel, fearing the absolute worst. I mean, he knew Daniel was probably, unless God, Daniel's God did something, he was going to be torn to shreds and killed. He didn't want to lose Daniel, but when he came to the den that morning, Daniel, he wasn't dead. He was alive and well and probably hungry himself. I look at this situation and it is, to me it's so reminiscent of the tomb on that Easter morning when those women went down to the garden tomb expecting the worst, expecting Jesus to still be dead, expecting that everything was over but they found that God had showed up at just the right time. And they... Thought it was too late. They thought that, 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 that this whole deal with Jesus was just, was just finished. But God had raised Jesus back to life just like God had essentially raised Daniel back to life this night in this lion's den, sparing his life. And, and God does that all throughout Scripture, all throughout history, all throughout your life. He will show up at just the right moment. Look at the things we've talked about in the past so far this year. When the Israelites finally get out of Egypt and they stand before the Red Sea, this thing that they think is going to be the end of them. They think it's over. The Egyptians are coming. What happens? God shows up at just the right moment, right before it's too late, and He allows them to cross over, and He he uses the very thing that that could have killed them to kill their enemies. We, We look at Jonah we talked about here recently. Jonah probably thought the storm that was about to kill everybody was going to end his life. And what did God do? God sent a fish. He showed up just before Jonah drowns and sends a fish to save his life. Jesus <laughs> went to Lazarus' tomb. They said, Lord, you're four days late. He already stinks. He's rotten. And what happened? Lazarus, come forth. He gets up and walks out alive. You should have read this week about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who went to the fiery furnace, and surely they thought that this was probably the end of them. And what happened there? King Nebuchadnezzar looks up and he said, boys, we threw three men in there, right? Why is there a fourth man in there with those guys? And he looks like the son of God. (laughs) Daniel must have known that these lions were hungry. Now, I don't know much about lions, but I've watched Discovery Channel. I've been to the zoo a couple times. They're pretty big old cats. I think I'd rather walk up on a bear in the woods than an old cat, just to be honest with you. But Daniel probably, if, he, if he's anything like me, he probably was a little bit scared. And he stood there facing those lions. He knew his God was with him. And what happened? Just the right moment, God sent An angel. I think some say it's an angel. I think it could have been a pre-incarnate form of God's son. Just like I think it was the pre-incarnate form of God's son that was in the fiery furnace with those men. And he delivered Daniel and everybody around him got to see this miracle take place. I think the point for us is that we have to trust God at all times. We've got to trust God on the mountain. We've got to trust God in the valley. We've got to trust God when we're in the palace and when we're in the pit. Because here's the lesson we learned from Daniel. It's all about faith. The Bible says Daniel was found innocent. He was saved. He was delivered. Not because of all the good things he'd done. Not because of uh, his actions. But the Bible says he, because he believed in his God. Because he trusted God. He had faith in God. And what did God do? God sent a rescuer, a deliverer, a redeemer to shut the mouths of the lions and to save Daniel because of his faith. And likewise, folks, God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue you, to redeem you, to deliver you, to save you from an eternity of hell forever. And just like Daniel, you can receive that salvation, that freedom through faith. By believing and trusting in the God of Daniel. King Darius realized how amazing what he had just witnessed was. And this is where I want to finish this morning. Verse 26. Darius makes another decree. He said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. I'd like to see that on the books of this country. For He is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and He rescues and He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You know what? If you're in Daniel's shape this morning and you're you're up against some lines that's about to just tear you to pieces, you could be delivered and you could be rescued this morning the same way Daniel was through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Stand with us if you would. Father, I am so thankful. That we can know the God of Daniel, (laughs) the living God, the one that delivers and the one that rescues. God, I thank you that even today, you work miracles just like this in our life. They may look a little different, but God, I know that most of us in here today, we've been in some pits, we've stood before giants, we've stood before lions. We felt the heat of the flames around us. That <laughs> you sent your son. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know him, that they don't know that freedom and that peace, God, I pray that they would have the faith to accept him, to believe. The Lord is. Christians, I pray that you would just strengthen us this morning. God, even your people will go through some difficult times. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be encouraged as we read about these prophets of old that, God, they were so faithful. Let their faith encourage us and inspire us to be just as faithful. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.